0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk.
1: Today I have with me Kelsey Banky, who's a certified financial planner at Stirk Financial. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. All right. So how not to be average? Um, we get a lot of questions about portfolio performance and things like that. And people wondering, you know, is my portfolio doing what it should be? What's the long-term averages that we can expect and things like that. So I thought it would be really timely to do a show about how to not be average and understand what goes into portfolio um, issues that creates maybe below average performance. And then we'll give you some clues on how to fix it. So here's the thing. Um, Averages... Are interesting And long-term averages have a lot of, of, I guess, different things that go into it. But according to an NYU study, stock returns since 1928 have a long-term average of 9.5%. Now, I can say that in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, I don't think we've seen numbers anywhere close to that.
0: I would agree with that, Mary. But
1: long-term, that's still the number. Now, when I kind of entered my career, the number was more above 10. <laughs> But we don't use that average anymore. But that's what the NYU study says, that since 1928, you're looking at an average of 9.5%. The the issue that I see a lot of investors have, though, is that when they look at their portfolio performance, a lot of times they don't see anywhere near that for a long-term average. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about why you might be seeing numbers in your portfolio that would be less than average and and how to identify those kind of problems. So first of all, let's talk about your portfolio, okay? In your portfolio, you're gonna have a number of things and um, the best tip that I can give you is to regularly analyze them. Kelsey, how often would you say you think people actually do analyze their portfolio?
0: You know, I have people tell me I haven't looked at it since I put the money in and and I have people say, Oh, I kind of look at it once a year. And and then there's a few more people that look at it pretty consistently monthly, but I I would say they're definitely not in the norm. So I would say probably annually.
1: And I think the people who look at it monthly aren't really looking at anything other than did it go up or down?
0: I would agree. So Mm -hmm.
1: that's not really what I would call analyzing performance. I would say that's just looking at how it's doing. So analyzing performance really kind of hits three different areas. You want to look at performance compared to their peer group, and we'll talk about what that means. You want to look at something called overlap, and you want to look at something called skew. So regular analysis of performance overlap and skew is, I think, a really good tool to use to figure out where you might have some below average issues happening and what's causing them. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about performance. Performance in a market, let's say it's a mutual fund or a stock, the the market's gonna go up or down. So when I talk about performance, I'm not talking about how far did you go up or how far did you go down, or even did you go up or did you go down? Because the market is the market and it's gonna go up and down, and that's part of the beautiful ride that we have when we invest. But What you can do to judge whether or not what you're investing in is actually good or bad is to compare it against something else that's like it, okay? And that's what a peer group is. So a peer group is a set of like things that can be used to kind of compare and quantify how you're doing. All right, so let's use mutual funds for example, okay? in mutual funds, there is a great way to do peer group performance by using a company called Morningstar. And Kelsey, when 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 you use Morningstar, what would you say is the first thing that you look at?
0: First thing you need to look at is, you know, what kind of investment is it? Uh, what asset class does it fall into? So there's um, everything from large cap growth funds to medium to small companies, um, international bonds. There's, many, many different ways to invest. And first of all, you got to know what kind of investment is it. Yep.
1: So let's use Morningstar as a tool. And, and I think anybody can get online at Morningstar.com and start to use that as an analytical tool. Or you can ask your financial advisor to help you analyze those things. So when you look at your mutual fund, Morningstar is going to tell you what category it falls into. All right. So let's say the category is a large company growth fund. There are a couple thousand large company growth funds out there in the world that investors can choose to use. Okay, a couple thousand choices out there. That's an astronomical number. (laughs) That's just this one category. So how do you know if your fund is in the the above average in that category or below average in that category? That's the big question, right? So Morningstar has a great thing that's called a peer group ranking system that they use. And first of all, they'll show you how many funds are in the category. And then they'll show you where does your fund rank in that category, okay? On the Morningstar system, it's kind of funny because they their scoring system is like golf. Lower is better. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get a hole in one, you are knocking it out of the park. So, um, you know, a peer group ranking of one means that it's the best. And a peer group ranking of 100 means that it's the worst. So then that means... Average is going to be 50. 50. Yep. So you can look at that and say, okay, last year, my particular fund was in the 35th percentile. Well, that's above average. Or you can look at it and say, oh, my fund was in the 87th percentile. (laughs) That's well below average. What's going on? And what's interesting about using something like Morningstar to do peer group ranking is that, you can see not just what your ranking was year by year, you can see what the averages are that those different rankings have have done. So like you can see what's the last year, you can see what the three-year or the five-year or the 10-year ranking is, and you're going to be able to see if the long-term performance has above been above average as well as if the short-term performance has been above average. So when you have a fund that is below average, and you have 2,000 choices of what you can invest in, you have to ask yourself whether or not there's a reason to continue to hold it. (laughs) Like, why would you hold a dog of an investment if it's consistently below average? Now, there might be some reasons. There might be tax reasons. There might be other reasons that that you want to hold this fund. But The peer group ranking is going to give you an idea about whether or not your performance is above average. So that's kind of what we wanted to share with you about performance measurements using the peer group ranking. So again, you can go out to Morningstar and you can... Um, Ask a financial advisor. One of the things that we're giving away, we try to do this about once a month, is that the first five callers who call can get a free portfolio review. And when we do a portfolio review for people, we actually do the Morningstar peer group rankings for you. So you can actually see how any holding that you have compares to its peers using Morningstar as an analytical tool.
0: This is a very, very valuable uh, experience. Normally it costs $250 to do this. And I think everybody that goes through this process finds a lot of value that comes out of it. Even if they have a really great lineup, there's always ways to improve and reduce your risk. Um, And So I strongly encourage you to call about that.
1: Yeah, so call us 605-217-3555. The first five callers will do a free portfolio review for you. Um, I also want to mention that we do have a seminar coming up. Doesn't We're not talking about averages in the seminar. What we're talking about in the upcoming seminar is navigating your finances through a divorce. We're very empathetic to the fact that this is a tough time in somebody's life. And if we can help you navigate your finances through this, I think that um, there's a lot of value in that. We, we Our goal is to help people go through this time and get to the other side of it by taking some of the complexity out of it, by helping you set up things so that you feel confident about your financial future as you move forward post-divorce. And that seminar is going to be happening on July 26th. All right, so from a financial perspective, um, here's one I think that you need to be considering to make sure lines up. You need to be aware of what your expenses are going to be in retirement, and you need to be aware of what your incomes are going to be aware of retirement, okay? In the book, I talk about a strategy called a fixed with fixed strategy that is kind of an easy way for people to understand whether Mm -hmm. the money's going to line up or not. If you have fixed expenses, like your water bill, your electric bill, your phone bill, things that happen the same way pretty much every month, Mm -hmm. those are your fixed expenses. And if you have enough fixed income, like income from Social Security or pensions or annuities or CDs or things like that, if you have enough fixed income that's coming in to cover your fixed expenses, you're a pretty good way along the way of having your retirement planning you know, sure. lined up for you. So the fixed with fixed strategy is just making sure that fixed income can pay fixed expenses. And then it's a great idea to also have a liquid pool of investments, and you use that liquid pool to cover your variable expenses. So, for instance, you talked earlier about travel. Sure. And travel might not be something that happens every year, and travel isn't something that you spend the same amount on every month. So you could use your liquid pool of investments to fund that travel. And you can use your liquid pool of investments to fund the things that don't happen every month or their oddities or when a new car needs to be purchased mm-hmm. or things like that. So you want to have some fixed income things paying your fixed bills. You want to have liquid investments to cover your variable expenses. And if you can line those things up in a strong way, then the money side of retirement is going to start to look like it's aligning with the life that you want to live. Okay. So um, we actually have a a document on our website called the Strategic Retirement Toolkit, and it includes a budget, which I know is a horrible word, (laughs) but it includes a budget where you can kind of map out what those fixed and variable expenses are and what your income sources are. And you're going to be able to see right on there if you have a gap. And then if you have a gap, we can talk about what's the best way to fill that gap. Okay. Okay, so a couple other things I want to touch on real quick today. Number one, when it comes to risk in retirement, you still want to be covering your risk, okay? Mm -hmm. So you still need to make sure you have your insurance programs in place, like your auto insurance, your homeowner's insurance. Um, But you need to evaluate in retirement whether you still need the life insurance that you might have or if maybe you need to add some. And everybody's situation is different, but evaluating your life insurance is part of a good retirement plan. The other thing is that a lot of people have carried disability insurance. And um, sometimes they don't realize that they can cancel that once they do pull that retirement trigger. And what they don't realize is that if they're not working and creating an income and then they became disabled, the policy won't necessarily pay anything out because they didn't have an income when they became disabled. So you might be paying for a policy that actually isn't going to give you anything anymore, in which case, why would you pay for that if you're done with your earning um, potential? Okay. Okay? So look at your insurances, look at your risk. Look. That's, again, where, the, like, the nursing home insurance comes in, looking at that, deciding if that should be part of your plan. And then... The last thing I want to touch on is when you're looking at can you afford to retire is let's say you do a good job and let's say that you have plenty and you get to the point where you're at the end of your life and you still have enough. You still have money there. You really want to make sure it gets to the people that you want it to get to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if you don't decide, the state that you live in is going to decide And there's probably no way of, you know, you don't know what you're going to end up with until you're there. Exactly. There's a lot of gray area because you can't predict the future. And you don't know when that time period is going to be because you don't know how long you're going to live. So making sure you have a will in place, making sure you have a financial power of attorney and a health care power of attorney in place is really important to protect the legacy that you have left at the end of your retirement. So we are all going to die, I guess. Apparently. Sometime. (laughs) Nothing we can do about that. We can just make sure that your money lines you up until then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, all right. Well, again, I I hope that um, this has given people some good things to think about, about whether or not they can afford to retire. And if you're really ready to dig into your retirement planning, then go out to Amazon or hit our website at stirkfinancialservices.com. And take a look at this new book, Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. The first 10 callers uh, will be eligible to get a free digital copy of this. And before uh, we close today, I also just want to mention quickly that we do have a seminar coming up. And the seminar that we have coming up is going to be on... Let's see. On divorce. On divorce. So, Mm -hmm. on July 26th, we have a seminar for people who are actually contemplating or going through a divorce. And it's all about helping you figure out what's the best way to navigate your finances through that and how do you end up on the other side of a very traumatic event. Uh, with your head held high and your finances as intact as possible. And Mary, I can say I've sat through, you've done this particular seminar one other time, and I mm-hmm. sat in on that, and I was thinking how much I wish I had had um, some of the tips that you gave available when I went through my divorce so many, many <laughs> well, years thank ago. Thank you. <laughs> it's very informational. So come join us and um, give us a call to register, 605-217-3555, or you can sign up to register for attendance right on our website. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there. Have a great day.
0: Call us at 605-217-3555. The first five callers will receive a free portfolio review, valued at $250